0: Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures. Even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too. Because the chili crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush. Plagues. Exodus out of slavery. And the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the call I was just thinking about it.
1: All right, last time we left off on Exodus 28. And so now we're just continuing the story on, once again, with Moses on Mount Sinai, getting instructions from God. It's Antonio and me today. And so this is going to be Exodus chapter 29.
2: And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them, to hallow them, to minister unto me in priest office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers on leaf and anointed with oil, of wheat and flour shalt thou make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket, and bring them in the basket with the bullock and two rams. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments, and put upon Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the brass plate, and the gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod, and thou shalt put the mitre upon his head, and put the holy crown upon the mitre.
1: Okay, so so mine verse six, just just to kind of give a little bit in in case they're not familiar with that language, uh, mine says you shall put the turban on his head, and put the holy crown. On the turban. So same similar thing, just, I guess, just different name for it. Why is there, and this kind of got me when I was reading through it before or earlier. Why a crown? Because.
2: It represents authority.
1: Authority. Okay. I guess, I guess that makes sense. So the, 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 because the, the boys, when it, you we find out later, the boys don't get a crown. Only Aaron, the high priest gets a crown. So it sounds like, it almost sounds like God is trying to establish a theocracy, is that how you say it? A theocracy where God runs the country. So like we have a democratic system, we have a patriarchy, matriarchy in some cases, but so this would be a theocracy, meaning God is the one dictating it
2: yeah we can definitely see some kind of uh, symbolic here i'm not sure i said that properly <laughs>
1: Symb- symbolism.
2: symbolism symbolism here in regards to the high priest being the only one that have a crown i mean yeah sure in uh, in heaven we'll all have our crowns but jesus is king of kings he is the one that has that particular type of authority
1: wow so I just I, I'm wondering that because the, I only know of one religious figure today that has a crown and that's the papacy. There is no other Christian or otherwise that I'm aware of. I mean, I could be wrong with some of the other faith systems out there that they, they might have crowns, but the only one that I'm aware of is the papacy claiming that authority in heaven and on earth thing, I think is the, I think that's why they, they justify wearing a crown.
2: The three, the three layered uh, or a three-ringed crown, three ringed crown,
1: three three tiered crown. I've heard it called too.
2: Yep, yep. And then, uh, and then it's shaped like a fish head. Oh, that's right.
1: Oh, I got. Yeah, I guess I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, there's there's some uh, talk about that too, in regards to historical figures and historical um, paganism of people who used to worship a god. A fish basically, what it was, Whoa. and they had this entire order where they wore a, a cape that was basically manufactured to be uh gills, and their cap was the face of a fish, basically the mouth of a fish.
1: Yeah, Dagon, mm-hmm. Bagon, I, yeah, yep, I think it was Dagon, Dagon, Dagon. yep, yeah. Dagon. Well, yeah, I call yeah. him
2: Dagon, people call him Dagon nowadays, but yeah, yeah Dagon. <laughs>
1: Well, that was interesting. Should we continue? Wow! Wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it just it just threw me off. That's the only reason I stopped is because it was yeah. it was just I I don't know I don't know of anywhere else in Scripture that it talks about a crown out before like when Saul was established. King Saul was established. Um, before that, this is the only crown that I've ever heard of. So, just just interesting, I guess. So verse.
2: Yeah, I don't think Abraham had a crown, no No one had a crown priest. Yeah. In regards to uh, the Hebrew history. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, was it Nebuchadnezzar? I wonder if he had a crown.
1: Nebuchadnezzar? Well, he was the king of Babylon. No, no, no.
2: no. Uh, Who am I thinking of? I can't remember his name. He's always uh, referred to as a type of... Shem. Melchizedek? Melchizedek, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, some people think that Melchizedek was Shem, because I think he also had another, like, you know how it says how he, in scripture, it says he, uh, what, he never, who he who has no mother and no father and that kind of thing. But that's the thing is he would have been someone who would have lived so long that his mom and dad would have died ages before anybody else would have realized. Right.
2: Well, either way, he was pretty much the first tithing that we've seen. And like uh, was, um, he was both a priest and a king, I believe. Yes, he was.
1: He yeah. Okay. He was a king of uh, so Salem. He could
2: have had a crown, but it doesn't mention it.
1: Well, no, I, I, yeah, I guess it just says he's a priest. Uh, he actually, he says he he was the high priest and king, or or and ruler of Salem. Yeah, that's that's with Abraham and when he ran into Melchizedek. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. And thou shalt bring his sons, and put coats upon them. And thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. And thou shalt cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. I wonder what they mean by put their hands upon the head. Of the Are they praying over it?
1: I I think they literally put their hands on the bullock while they were sacrificing it.
2: Yeah. Because I wonder is that the purpose of. Well, let's find out.
0: Go Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
2: And thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord. By the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt take up of the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger, and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. And they shall take all the fat of the co- that covereth the inwards. I'm gonna redo that. And thou shalt take all the fat that covereth the inwards, and the cowl that is above the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. Now there's some symbolism here too. Didn't God say that fat is an abomination to him?
1: Something like that, because mine says something very similar. I think you're just using the official term. Uh, 13 says, and you shall take the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys. And the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Now I do believe fat is a representative of sin in this case.
1: Is it Ooh. Not? It could be, yeah. Something okay. that's that's taken out specific. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Especially next to the kidneys. I wonder what happens to the kidneys if you drink alcohol.
1: Well, even outside of that, your kidneys <laughs> your kidneys are your filters. Right. Like they, they filter
2: out things. So they're, they're, it's not just alcohol. I was just naming one reference. Right, right. Things.
1: I'm just I saying, can... like, your kidneys, you shouldn't, well, when it comes to any animal, it shouldn't be, not human kidneys, but regular kidneys in any animal, it's the filter. So if you eat the kidneys, uh, you're literally eating,
2: eating the feces, filter. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Same with your liver. Your liver's a cleans filter. cleans out the poison. Right. It cleans out the poisons. So, like, if you eat a liver from an animal, you're eating the poison sac. That so the animals I, wonder how much, eating.
2: I wonder how much symbolism is just there, and we just never realized it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the flesh of the bullock and his skin and his dung shalt thou burn with fire without the camp. It is a sin offering without the camp.
1: Yeah, mine says outside the camp. So, yeah.
2: Okay, so outside the camp. So,
1: so all this seems to there. be happening, at least this sacrifice seems to be happening. It says at the door of the tabernacle... And then burned outside the camp. So it seems like the only thing that enters the tabernacle for this is two kidneys on them and burn them on the altar. So all the that fatty stuff gets burned on the altar. The body gets burned outside the camp. And the blood of the bullock gets poured at the base of the altar. So we're, we're separating the, the items of the bull, apparently. I'm just I'm trying to follow this along so I, I, I don't I don't get lost here.
2: Shouldn't we all be following along?
1: I hope so. <laughs> I, I've I've read through this already and I still was was trying to grasp it, like dig deep in my mind to find out why this and how this but I still went after I was done I was like, What? So yeah, I'm just trying I'm just trying to follow it along because now now I'm listening to somebody read it to me.
2: So Alright, well sometimes that helps. You're right, right, right. <laughs> uh, I left off at fifteen, correct? Yep. And thou shalt also take one ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Now I did say head, not hand. Yep. And thou shalt take slay the ram, sorry, thou and thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood and sprinkle it round about upon the altar. And thou shalt cut the ram in pieces and wash the inwards of him and his legs and put them onto his pieces and onto his head put them onto his pieces
1: so they're they're cutting it up you know breaking the thighs apart breaking the arms off and washing them apparently you know like all the, all the legs off and then the body itself separating the entrails from it apparently
2: Oh, so them onto the, his pieces. That means to separate them right into his proper uh, categories.
1: Right. So put legs them on his legs.
2: Art with our organs with organs. Right. Okay. So set
1: them on their pieces means like you're stacking them on the altar is what it sounds like. I don't think it's all of it. Cause it's oh, let's cut the ram into pieces, wash its entrails and legs, and put them on the pieces. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it seems like everything right now is going on there.
2: All right, and thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the land, or excuse me, unto the Lord. It is a sweet severing offering made by fire unto the Lord. You know, I wonder if it means putting them onto the pieces actually means to put them on top of each other. That way it'll fit after they cut them up.
1: That's what it sounds like. Yeah, something like that.
2: Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. And thou, and thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram then shalt thou kill the ram and take off of his blood and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron upon the tip of the right ear of his sons and upon the thumb of the right hand and upon the great toe of the right foot and sprinkle the blood upon the altar around about. Hmm.
1: Yeah, those were I, I, when I first read it, I didn't know. Antonio suggested maybe this is talking about the hand being meaning what you do, the ear meaning what you think, it's your head, it's your decision making, your toe is where you're going in life, what you're do like where you're going, what you're doing, what you're thinking, that kind of thing. The right side, I think you you were the one that kind of emphasized that about the your right side is your dominant or or stronger side kind of thing. Other than that, I don't know. I thought your suggestion was a really good suggestion, but I personally, I cannot put a lot of stock because I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this means. this Because as far as I'm aware, we never find this again in Scripture, I think, until much later on when they had to consecrate high priests after not having high priests. I think it was somewhere after Daniel and after Nebuchadnezzar and all that stuff. I think it was after that they had to do it again.
2: Seems to me it's also symbolic to the leaders of uh, God's people. But is there something else going on here as well? Because it's only done to the priest.
1: Right. And this is to consecrate. It's already said this. This is to consecrate them. So we've been through a bullock or a bull. We've been through a ram that got sacrificed, chopped in pieces. We've been through ram number two that so far they just want some of the blood.
2: So far. Well, let's continue reading. See what we get. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar, and of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it upon Aaron, and upon his garments, and upon his sons, and upon the garments of his sons with him. And, and he shall be Allah hallowed. Excuse me, hallowed, and his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments with him. Also, thou shalt take of the ram the fat and the rump. And the fat of the cover, the inwards and the cow, C-A-U-L cow above the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and the right shoulder, for it is a ram of consecration. That should give us another hint, consecration. Right, right. And one loaf of bread and one cake of oiled bread one wafer out of the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And thou shalt put all in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and shalt wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. A wave of Well, what's a wave offering?
1: I almost feel like this is a, a pre- Yet to see preview of what they do when Jesus first enters Jerusalem. Do you remember? They waved. Yeah, the, uh,
2: the, the, the and- yeah,
1: they they waved it before him, and I almost wonder if that's kind of like the the wave offering, the purpose of the wave offering, because it was it was a consecration for them. But Jesus, if if I can say this, doesn't necessarily need to be consecrated because he was already holy. He was already pure.
2: But do we know what a wave offering actually means? Is it like a waiver to wave?
1: I think it's an actual wave. Like you hold it in your hand like like they did with the palm leaves.
2: Huh. They should put in the hands of Aaron and the hands of his sons and they shall wave them for a wave offering. So they waved bread in their hands.
1: Bread, cakes, and waver, wafers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Because I think right after that, like verse 25 says, you you shall receive them back from their hands. So Moses is taking them back and Uh burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. So they just they literally wave it to say, hey, God, thank you for this to bring consecration. So this is part of the ceremony, consecration for the priests. And then they throw it in the altar. While the rest of like the bullock and the and and or not the bullock I'm sorry the ram the first ram is burning I guess at least that's what it sounds like to me I know I know today this is very difficult to read through because today we don't we're not used to seeing these kind of things or or being involved in these type of you know religious services or anything like that but back then I'm sure that even I, I'm I'm one hundred percent certain that even Egypt probably did wave offerings and drink offerings and, you know, burning animals offerings and you know, to their fake gods. I'm certain they did. So Israel, I'm sure this was not They should
2: be used to saying something like this, yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: But I wonder if they know what it meant. Like immediately, right away. They were the first ones to actually do this within their nation. I mean, yes, they had offerings back then during Abraham and all that but remember these people were just slaves they wasn't they were literally denied to go out and serve their god yeah that is britain
1: so uh you know I, my personal opinion is and this is just my opinion opinion of justin blah, blah, blah. okay my opinion <laughs> <laughs> is that i don't think they f- understood the full implication of what god was trying to do with them I think they understood God was trying to do something special because they would have known about the prophecies that were given to Abraham. They would have known. And they would have known about the prophecies that were given to Adam and Eve. And they would have known that God has a special person and that that he's you know sending through Israel. Like all these things they would have known, but I don't think they would have understood the full implications of what they were doing.
2: Right. And they definitely didn't know because it stated that they were... Uh, concerned, like, not like The leaders of the slaves—they were concerned because the slaves were talking about that their redeemer would be coming soon. Yeah, they knew the prophecies. They—they right. they they saw the signs. You're talking Just about like when Moses. Do today.
1: You're talking about when Moses was born, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, because they and knew. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, and afterwards. Yep, they knew.
2: All right. So you read 25. I shall read 26. And thou shalt take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be thy part. And thou shalt sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering, which is waved and which is heaved up off the ram, the consecration, even of that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. Now say that five times fast. (laughs) <laughs> and it should be Aarons and his sons by statute forever from the children of Israel for it is an heave offering and it should be an heave offering from the children of Israel of the sacrifice of their peace offering, even their heave offering unto the Lord.
1: I was reading heave offering it it sounds like it's it's a it's an offering that's so heavy you can't wave it, but you got to wave it before the Lord. So they're heaving it instead.
2: <laughs> so, I can it's gonna... just picture, you know, when you, <laughs> now that you said that, I can just picture like, what are the, what is, what's that one uh, sport where it was it in Scotland, I think it is that they take these huge, humongous logs and they oh, just heave it up yeah, into the air. Yeah. Now yeah. Now <laughs> that you said it that way, that's what I'm picturing now with these, with these priests and their animals. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Weave. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about. I mean, we're talking about a bullock that was sacrificed, and I think this is just a ram. Yeah, so you shall take the breast of the. Ram. Yeah, so you take you shall take the breast of the ram. So you're talking about the whole front shoulder of the ram,
2: uh-huh.
1: you know, that you're heaving up onto this thing. So yeah, I
2: could see that. I wonder if there's any videos of people replicating this.
1: Oh, there's gotta be. Oh. That would be oh, awesome. Anybody anybody <laughs> here that's listening, go ahead and send us a link. That would be spectacular to see. Right. I would love to see this like reenacted. So,
2: continuing on with verse 29. Okay. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. And that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he cometh into the tabernacle of the congregation to minister in the holy place. And thou shalt take the ram of the consecration and seethe his flesh in the holy place. Seethe.
1: Mine says boil. Boil. So cook it. Basically,
2: the same thing. Yeah. Making me hungry. That just ate (laughs) it. and Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation i wonder if they had stew it
1: basically is although they were supposed to receive this meat as their daily food mm-hmm. you know what so i mean because anything, huh? yeah because they were not supposed to receive uh, and this is kind of foreshadowing about when they get into the promised lands, these, all of Levi, all of Levi's descendants, were never supposed to be given a inheritance or a land. They were supposed to be the priests, and all of the congregation, all of Israel, was supposed to support them.
2: Continuing on, verse 33. And that should eat those things with the atonement, excuse me, I always say atonement because that's what I'm used to. But I've later learned that this word is made up. So I'm going to say it properly. And they shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But a stranger shall not eat thereof because they are holy. We should probably talk about atonement for yeah, I a I few yeah. seconds. Yeah, yes. go for it. Okay, well, I'm not very good at explaining this yet, but basically uh, the translator came up across this sentence that was basically one word, and he didn't know what to call it because it was supposed to be at one with your creator. People say you got to atone for your sins. They actually say you got to be at one with your sins. Yeah. That's not right. <laughs> right. The,
1: the atonement offering was to once again bring... Like, for example, if, if I were atoned, let's say if I were atoned, that means that I am becoming one with God again. Like, at one meant means that my relationship with God is, is reestablished. Not, I'm becoming God, not, none of this, like, new age type of stuff that they're trying to push into Christianity. It literally means, like, my relationship is now at one with God again. In other words, it's a restoring of this personal relationship with God. Even back then they had the atonement. Yeah.
2: They needed the relationship.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the end of this really, really, I think capstones it. Once we get to the end of the chapter, I think it it just, it's powerful to me about the atonement. So I think that'll come up again.
2: Starting with uh, 34, verse 34. And if aught of the flesh of the consecrations or of the bread remain unto the morning, then thou shalt burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. And thus shalt thou do unto Aaron, and to his sons, according to all things which I have commanded thee. Seven days shalt thou consecrate them. And thou shalt offer every day a bullet for a sin offering for at one minute, and thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an at one minute. For it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days thou shalt make an at-woman for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever touches the altar shall be holy.
1: Oh, which, by the way, this is why they're like, and this goes, this harkens back to the first century church. When Israel rejected Jesus, and you know, I mean, you kind of read this in the book of Acts and, and kind of find out exactly what happened. Basically, they rejected it, they rejected Jesus. Uh, the church was established. Da, 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 da. Okay, fast forward a little bit, Israel was crushed by Rome. We find out one of Rome's things that they did to Israel, and this is just in I can't remember. A historian, an ancient historian wrote this and what happened, um, Josephus, I think. They took a pig and they offered it on Israel's altar, which those of you who know in Scripture, and we're coming up to this type of stuff when it comes to food, holy and unholy foods, and clean and unclean foods, and animals, for example, only clean animals were to be sacrificed. And a pig was like the unclean of uncleans for for a Jewish faith, for the Jewish faith and for for Israel. And when Rome did that, this is kind of why Rome, one of the reasons why Rome crushed Israel almost completely because they offered a pig. I don't remember why they offered a pig, though. I'd have to reread the story. But apparently they offered a pig on the offering just to just in spite of Israel. And Israel went to war over it, basically. Like that's how important it was to them. That's
2: right, and you know how they thought of pigs is what they thought of Gentiles. This is, you know, one of the reasons why God used to unclean animals for to say, "Hey, the Gentiles are now clean."
1: Right, because that that, no was that, that was that, in that too. that was in that that vision that oh, who had it? Paul, Peter had Peter it. Had Peter it. had it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, I guess I'll go ahead and continue on here. Verse 38. So this is just talking about the daily offerings here. Uh, so now this is what you shall offer on the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb you shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering. And the other... Now
2: I wonder what kind of wine that was.
1: Well, you know what I wonder? I wonder what a drink offering is. I know what pagan drink offerings are. Because like Vikings and stuff, they used to do that. But the offering was literally you just pour it out. You just pour it on the ground to say, you know, this is toasting either the dead or toasting a god
2: we still do that today
1: we do yeah it's it's yeah. a common thing but i wonder if that's what they're doing i don't know Could be yeah hmm. i would i would love and to look into part this of a, a hen
2: of a wine for a drink offering i wonder if it tells us later
1: oh, well let's get you want to continue or shall yeah. i yeah i'll keep going
2: okay go ahead uh, i'm running
1: <laughs> okay so continuing on verse 41 and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer with it grain offering and a drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord.
2: I just want to say Go a sweet it. aroma to the Lord. Imagine this is said this several the times. The Lord enjoying the sweet smell of flesh and all that.
1: And cakes. It's like
2: a barbecue. Yeah, like wow. Right, and cakes and <laughs> cakes. and
1: and, 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 and apparently that's
2: like a birthday party, grape
1: days, juice you know? or wine poured on the meat or something while it was cooking.
2: That sounds like fun.
1: I was actually, you know what? Grape juice would taste pretty good. If you like put it over like lamb on the, on the grill, wouldn't it like take the, the sweetness of the, of the grape juice? I
2: don't know. Probably. It's not, it's not unheard of to actually use, you know, wine, whether it's fermented or otherwise and, and cooking. And, uh, I don't know about you, but a long time ago, it was taught to me that if you cooked even alcohol, it it, uh, it it's no longer active.
1: No, it it alcohol is so light when you boil it, the alcohol immediately leaves the liquid, whatever it is, it, because it's so light. You know, I mean, you know, if you leave uh, alcohol out, it will eventually evaporate because it's lighter than air. Technically, the fumes are lighter than air, but if you boil it. Like you cook it, you cook with it. It actually the the alcohol almost instantly leaves, so you just have the flavor of whatever the alcohol was.
2: Even though I'm no longer an alcohol drinker, at least especially due to stomach reasons, I still enjoy rum cake for this reason. Rum cake? I don't rum know. Rum cake.
1: I don't know if I've ever had rum cake. So, all right. Uh, verse thirty-two. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. That right there, to me, that one of that last those last lines that says, uh, that I may dwell among them, that right there, to me, says volumes. Because... Now, I, I have, I have friends—well, I'll just, I'll just say I have friends who have these type of, like, I don't want to say attitude or—, or, or have, they have this mindset, basically, of earning your, your way to God, and they don't even realize it. Do you know what I mean? Like, when bad things happen, they say stuff like, why is this happening to me? I try to be a good person. Or why, you know, why is this happening to me? Or what did I do attitude. wrong? Huh? Uh,
2: pretty much the, the Job attitude, as I would say. I don't mean Job himself, but throughout the book.
1: Right, there's that attitude of you must have done something wrong for God to want to do this against you. His fr- A lot of his friends were saying this.
2: Uh, exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So and, and you're right, you're right. But this is what I'm saying. Like the, This is one of those verses that God's like, no, no, no. I want to dwell among you. So many of us think, Well, I gotta get myself right before I had before I grace the the door of a church, right? Or if I if I when, you know, people have been invited to church, a lot of times people who are worried about it, well, I'll be strike dead by a bolt of lightning if I go in there. No, that is the place to be.
2: Yeah. My family used to like to joke about that, especially my uncle uh We'd sometimes get him come to the church. This is back when uh, I was Pentecostal. He would, he would go in for a, like an Easter play or something like that, and my uncle would be there. And afterwards, we'd joke about, "We're surprised that the roof didn't cave in on us or something like that," because <laughs> Uncle Robert was there. Right, right. We'd joke about it. We didn't mean it, but we'd joke about it. But yes, I could definitely see how uh, how serious some people are about it.
1: Right. Yeah. But here I'm just saying this is this is one of those verses where God is saying, No no no. I want to dwell among you. It's this is God coming down to us. Not us trying to elevate ourselves up to God. So and it's his just
2: saying he wants to spend time with his children because uh a foster parent has been taking away his visiting privileges basically. And it just
1: I don't know, when you think about it, when you look at a lot of the New Age Christianity, and I study this stuff out a lot, a lot of the New Age Christianity is always us elevating ourselves up to God, and that's not the case. It's God reaching down to us. We don't that's
2: climb... Easy. That's It's just sneaky. Yeah. You know, just a simple rephrase of words, and all of a sudden you're basically sinning. I mean,
1: well, the whole gospel gets thrown upside down.
2: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, because this isn't about what you do, Antonio. This isn't about what I do. This is about God coming down and us choosing something. It's choosing. It's It's just about that choice. So, That's right.
2: And I can't tell you, how a lot of this falls into works as well. The Bible says that works won't get into heaven. But yet, if you love me, you will serve him. Serve me, says the Lord, basically. That's it's what it means. Yeah. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and you will love your neighbor. Right. You will volunteer to help them out. You will teach them what you know instead of violence. And yes, violence will happen in this earth while it's still cursed, but blessed are the people who put forth the effort to love Christ with all their heart and just try to love even their enemies. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, this was this was a pretty good chapter. I, I understand, and I do apologize straight up front. This is kind of out of my realm of expertise, because God is just trying to, I guess, to give a blanket overview. God is trying to get Israel to understand and to point forward to what God is trying to give the world, which was Jesus Christ. And... You've asked this already. I I don't, I don't think they fully understood what it was, but I do know that they knew that something special was happening. God was doing something special with these people, and they knew it. And that's why, for many years, they took this very seriously.
2: Yeah, I can only imagine the atmosphere when this first happened. People were excited. People were getting the rolls. Uh, they're just, it's probably like, can you imagine how it would feel when Christ returns, this is probably what it was like for them. This is probably just like a new era. Right. This is like turning a new chapter.
1: Big time, because this isn't just, hey, we're worshiping a God. It's this God literally is going to use us as his personal nation. And they knew something it was specia- just proven yeah. that he was real. Yeah.
2: It was just proven that he was real.
1: Because, I mean, up to this point, Israel's only been... Israel, for what, maybe a couple months? Maybe a couple months ago, they left Egypt and...
2: A free nation, yeah.
1: Right. They saw all the plagues. They saw all the miracles of God feeding them every day. They saw, the, you know, watering them every day, uh, going to the mountain and the, the voice of God coming down from the I, I They know something special, something awesome is about to happen.
2: Um, well, this is... Uh, are we still in the 40 days? Yeah. Yeah. Up in a mountain? Yeah, so yes. they haven't even had this yet, but when they actually did this for the first time I could imagine.
1: Yeah, because I it's, Moses'
2: thoughts were it's <laughs> this isn't this even
1: down. this isn't even down to uh chapter thirty two. Which by the way, once we get to chapter thirty two, it kind of all of this that's happening right now is God giving him instruction and also Moses writing it as though he had already done it. So he's kind of writing from the same theme so we don't lose the topic. And then once we get to chapter 32 about the golden calf and all that, it's actually like, rewind, okay, this is what happened before we did all this stuff because this is what God told us to do, and we did it, but this was already in the future. And so we got he rewinds and kind of tells the story before about the golden calf and all that. So. Right.
2: It's just like a movie, having a flashback.
1: Right. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter 32 will be a flashback. <laughs> All right, so I will go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together once again. We thank you for your holy word. Uh, we thank you that we can freely talk about these things, Jesus. and And we'd like to also lift up all of those who are listening or watching. Online, Father, I pray that uh, you'll send your Holy Spirit into their lives as well. Father, make yourself real to them in their life. And also, Father, send somebody our way that we can share this information about your glory and your gospel that you've done in our own lives. We love you so much and we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Uh,
1: so this has been Justin.
2: And this has been Antonio.
1: Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will talk to you next time.
0: Bye. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to biblicalchili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye.
1: Do you cook it uh, with actual, like, rum? like?
2: Yeah. Do yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to,
1: yeah. I've, hey, I've hey, heard hey, of hey, Rum hey.
0: Cake, but that's, that's right. about it. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. I think there can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.